What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson. Uh, today's guest is John Edmundson, um, one of probably the best shapers in the foiling space. I've been a big fan of his, following him on the socials for a long time, and we've had a number of guests on the show who ride for John. Um, so, uh, you know, you guys have already heard about him uh, if you don't follow him, but if you if, if you don't, you should go ahead and do that. A couple notes before we get started. First off, I hope everybody's doing all right. Um, the last month I know has been a very strange one for the world. Our family actually left Florida. We came up to a little property that um, where I kind of do some, some of my work and uh, we're kind of just on lockdown. We have to be a little bit more careful with this thing than most folks do, I believe, from what my wife has gone through. So we took it really seriously and, and we did that about a month ago. Um, it's been hard, man. Being out of the water just sucks. Um, I'm like a fish. I like to be in the water once or twice a day. We're a little over a month right now, but you know, it's it's for the it's for the you know, you know, obviously for the good of our family, but I hope hope for everybody as well. And I hope everybody's doing the same thing and, and being really safe and um trying to get through this thing as quickly and safely as possible. Um that being said, it also kind of helps put into perspective where foiling and surfing should really fit into our lives. And I think that's good to remember every once in a while. You know, it's really easy to get super caught up in how fired up we are about what we're doing and lose sight of things that are way more important, like talking to your folks or your kids or all that kind of stuff. So I guess that's my PSA for the day. And I'm sure everybody's already thinking about all that stuff, but I've been thinking about it a lot lately. It's also really hard for me right now to have these conversations about foiling. I got my pup Mocha making some noise over there, but it's harder for me to have these conversations about foiling because I'm so bummed that I'm not in the water. So there's, it's, it's difficult to to want to talk about something that you can't do right now. So I'm going to try to keep keep on them. Um, and I know they've been slow coming, so I apologize for that. But I just hope everybody's doing good. Uh, this conversation is a fairly technical conversation about uh, foiling and uh, board design, which I think that you'll like, especially if you lend if uh, towards that um, technical understanding of, of boards. We go through a bunch of different designs. John's tried everything and especially on the construction side and that was really interesting because i was um you know testing some of my uh understanding off of john and and i really appreciate how open he was with uh with what he's what he's learned and experienced he saves obviously he saves some of the some of the nuggets for himself which he should uh, because he spent a lot of time in learning to make uh, best boards that aren't breaking for folks. And I'm really excited to uh, to try one. I'm, I'm going to order one from him. I'm going to have a, a new one coming to, to test. So I can't wait. Uh, and hopefully at some point soon we'll be back in the water. So, all right, guys, I hope everybody's doing well out there. I appreciate everybody for uh, following along. And, and I cannot wait to share waves with you guys in the very near future, hopefully. So, um, all right, cheers. John, thank you for coming on the Progression Project podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Um, why don't you just start off with a little background? I don't know your story, so I would love to hear your story. And then I really am excited about geeking out on board design with you. But uh, I'd like to learn more about you first. Well, my story starts when I was born, obviously. Um, 
I was born into an ocean-going family. My father was a sailor, lifeguard, surfer, um, and actually my grandfather was a sailor, uh, waterman. So I, I was born lucky to be born into a waterman family. And uh, when I was probably, uh, my earliest recollection of catching a wave was when I was maybe five or six years old, my dad pushing me into small little waves down at San Onofre in Southern California. Um, then as time went on, I, surfing became my life, my lifestyle. And, uh, at a certain point, I started tinkering around with surfboards, actually building surfboards, and that was 15 years old. And I built my first surfboard in my mother's garage. And there's, st there's still an outline of resin to prove it <laughs> on the floor of her nice garage. Uh, uh, after that, I, I never thought it would turn into, into a career. I just thought, oh, I'll just build a, a board for myself. And then it turned into a board for my friend and then a board for their friends. And and uh, when I was 18 years old, I moved to the North Shore of Oahu with that skill set and uh, set up my life in, uh, in Hawaii. All right. We had some technical difficulty there, John, but we caught right up to the point where you were landing in Hawaii. So pick up there. So in, in 1988, that's about 30 something years ago, I, I moved to Hawaii. I was 18 years old and set up my life here. Building surf and, uh, you know, enjoying the, the waterman lifestyle, uh, at, I'd say probably 2000, uh, actually probably 1999, I got into kiteboarding, which really opened up my, my design palette from surfboards into kiteboards, which opened up my, my mind to a lot of different constructions as well, which includes epoxies and, and carbons and Kevlars and vacuum bagging. Uh, from that, I got into toe surfing, stand-up paddle boarding, and we built actually one of the first foil boards on the North Shore for toe and surfing. Uh, shortly after we saw Laird and Derek Dorner and all the, the Maui guys doing it, we we shortly followed suit after that and uh, built one out here. And so I was I was in lucky to be in on the early stages of, of foiling and waves, which which was a big eye opener. But that equipment for me was just super sketchy, you know, having snowboard boots and uh, the mast and the fuselage and the, the wing of that hydrofoil weighed probably 20 pounds. Oh, God. So, uh, yeah. And the other aspects to the design was the wings didn't have a thicker profile like we enjoy now, which we can ride in smaller, uh, slower conditions. This was a thin blade, probably a quarter inch thick, which meant that you had to take off on big waves, which we, Hawaiian, which is more like 20 foot on the face to the rest of the world wow. uh, faces. And so 
you know, we were being towed in with a jet ski with that. I just could not wrap my head around having snowboard boots on. Um, even though we set it up where you could quick release eject out of it, you'd still be swimming around in 10 foot, 20 foot surf with snowboard boots. So I did that for about a season, probably 12, you know, 15 sessions. Uh, and then I kind of just faded off back to surfing and kiting and the rest of what I love to do. Um, and then uh, just recently, three and a half years ago, a friend of mine came up and ordered a, a more modern surf foil board, pulled out his surf foil. And I went, wow, that looks interesting. And he started showing me video of what he was doing and what we all know now is, you know, surf foiling, the more modern surf foiling. And I was like, man, you can ride tiny waves, you know, tiny swell. It's not death defying. You're not, you don't have snowboard boots on. Sign me up. <laughs> and so I, within a couple of days, I, I started building my own foil and, and board. And, you know, within a week I had a setup and I, I learned. And from that point on, I've been just completely hooked. I, I love it. Uh, I get that, man. It's the most addictive, amazing thing that I think in water sports, in sport probably that I've yeah. done. Well, I, I don't I, understand. I, why is that? Why is it someone who's been in the water your whole life? Why is foiling? Um, why is there so much gravity to the sport? Well, I can, I've analyzed this over and over and over again. And I, I was just watching a friend of mine yesterday who, who just recently got into it and he was just, he wasn't doing a bunch of turns. He wasn't flying in air. He wasn't pulling into a tube. He was simply streaking across this wave with his hair blowing back and it, I could feel what he was feeling just by watching him and what it is, it taps into the core of what we love about surfing or let's go even broader wave riding, mm -hmm. the speed, the trim, the, the glide, and you don't have to do a big gouging turn or pull into a big giant barrel to get that rush. Right. Like the, the, like we're riding knee high waves and you know, the, the times that I'm getting most excited is when I'm, I'm perfectly trimmed on that foil on a knee high wave and I'm going 25 miles an hour down the line yeah. <laughs> and my hair's, my hair's blowing back and, and the feeling is just, you're, you're buzzed. It's like, and I have not surfed J Bay, but you watch iconic footage of Tom Curran surf J Bay and some of those just high lines that he's drawing, I feel like that's foiling in a two foot wave. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, that's the other thing. When I think about surfing, we're, we're constantly chasing J Bay right. or we're, we're chasing sunset beach or we're chasing Rincon or we're chasing a good fast wave to get going as fast as we're going on a foil. Um, the reality is most places, most spots don't have that kind of speed. So 
we settle with what we got and we may get a, a little burst of that every once in a while. Um, but the other thing with surfing, it's, it's very, the boards, now that I've been foiling so much, I'm, I'm looking at it in a whole different way. The a surfboard pushes a lot of water and especially the shorter you go, the more water it's going to push if you're not utilizing that board correctly. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but you know, with all that nose rocker and tail rocker and a, and a short surfboard, if you're just standing there trying to go straight, that nose rocker especially is pushing a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Foil, it's, it's flying underwater. You just get up and it just goes. Uh, with a surfboard, you need to utilize that rocker. You need to be on a rail constantly, turning off one rail, turning off the other rail, turning off the one rail, turning off the other rail um, to get speed and to keep speed. And, you know, or if you have a wave like J Bay, you can find that high line and trim, and the rocker isn't as critical. But if you don't use the rocker right with the surfboard, you're bogging. Yeah. You're going slow. Yeah. You, you know, it's crazy to me now. Um, and I've been almost exclusively foil for one year now is I'll go back and ride some of the more high, higher profile wings, um, that I rode a little while. Some of them are really good. And some of them I like a whole lot. It's amazing to me how much drag I feel just in the difference of a tail wing or of a higher profile front wing and how much slower that is versus some of the really low profile gear that I'm riding. And then every once in a while when I will hop on a short board, it's the only sensation I feel now really is drag. I just feel it just feels so slow to me. I know that at some point I'm going to fall back in love with shortboarding and because I love shortboarding, right? But um yes. It's 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 crazy to me like how much you feel how much more energy there is in a wave that you realize once you start foiling and how limited you are in accessing that energy when you're on top of the water. Um, Absolutely. Like on a board. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and one of the, the conundrums we run into as surfers slash foilers is the front foot pressure of foiling. And I'm sure you felt it oh, yeah. jumping back on a short board. It it's, going exactly against what I was just saying with, you know, being able to utilize a rocker. Well, we want to push down on that front leg on the surfboard, which pushes a lot more water with that nose rocker of a shortboard. Yeah. And it's embarrassing. Like we've <laughs> all been through it, like going back to surfing after foiling for, you know, two, three, six, twelve 12 months. And all of a sudden you're just pushing water. I mean, first of all, you can't even lay on the board and paddle it because it's just so tippy without yeah. a big keel hanging off the bottom, you know? So it's, uh, it's quite interesting. I purled on like my first four or five waves that I paddled into the last time I shortboarded. I was just pushing down. I was like taking off. You're just pushing that nose into the water. <laughs> just, oh yeah. Just eating yeah. it. Um, what, what I'm kind raising of fo- my hand right now? I've done that too. That's <laughs> so good. Um, what, what kind of foils are you riding? What are you, uh, what do you, what are you liking? Well, honestly, I love to try every foil. So I yeah. have, um, that experience and, you know, like, 
like all of us were, I'm, I'm basically new to the sport, even though I've been doing it since the beginning, it's such a new thing. I want to be able to try everything I can to understand the foil better. hundred percent agree. And, and a, some, a benefit that comes along with that, that goes into my business is I feel like I'm a hub for my customers or mm-hmm. even, they don't even have to be my customers. Somebody comes to me and asks me about a lift foil or a go foil or an Armstrong foil. I can give them my, my feeling and my feedback and also the, feed, the general feedback that I get from a lot of other people because I always ask people like oh you've got the signature how how do you like it and I love to hear what they say and and usually you get a pretty consistent pattern of you know say a signature for like you you get a a consistent feedback and that's feedback that I can give to somebody who asked me even Mm -hmm. even if I hadn't tried that particular foil Um, but but mainly um, at this point I'm riding Go foil. Go foil. Um, Have you gravitated yes, towards I, the 140 as well? Oh man, that thing is the best surf wing at this moment in time. I feel like that's the best surf wing out there right now. And I switched from I was on Armstrong last year for six or eight months, and I felt like that was I was at my highest performance with that foil. Yep. When this 140 came around, I just, it completely, it was obvious that that was better for me at that, at the time. And I, uh, the way, the way it happened, I, I had no idea what that 140 was about. I tried the bigger ones that I think 210, 280, mm-hmm. uh, GL wings, and I didn't feel like they were for me. They right. felt like more big downwind yep. wings or for, for a bigger rider. Um, and then. Uh, my friend, uh, Malae McElhaney, uh, Bonsai Gram on Instagram, he, uh, he uh, Alex had sent him the 140 and the 100, and neither of those were were public at, at that time. And Malae calls me and he goes, he goes, hey uncle, let's 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 go. I just got the 140 and the the 100. I'll ride the 100. You ride the 140. I'm like, sure, cool, let's go. You know, I, I always like getting a session with him anyway. But I'm like, okay, I'll try this wing. And but I was kind of expecting, you know, what I had felt in the other GL wings. Um, so I had expectations, except for like maybe maybe a negative, if you want to look at it that way. Um, so I paddle out. I you know wait for a wave. I catch my first wave, and I did this roundhouse cutback into the white water. And came around just a perfect figure eight uh, roundhouse, and it was seamless. Yep. Where everything else to that point wasn't seamless. Like I'd come, you know, in my roundhouse, I'd come like two thirds of the way through the turn, and then I'd get a lot of lift, mm-hmm. and so I'd be pushing down, and then I'd come past that point, and then it would want to drop, so I'd have to pull up, and I would be. 50% of the time I'd be so discombobulated, I couldn't rebound off the whitewater. The other 50% of the time I could pull it together enough to rebound off the whitewater. And with this, it was just a perfect figure eight turn seamless. And I went, whoa, what, 
what was that, Pat? What was that all about? And then the next wave got better. The next (laughs) wave got like every wave got better. And I was, you know, then I was trying to figure out maybe I'm just having a good day. And I, I just, I got out of the water and needless to say, I had to break it to Bonsai Grom that I wasn't giving his wing back. (laughs) I was taking it. (laughs) And, and, you know, kind of jokingly, but you know, it's too big for him anyways. uh, On the way home. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what I was trying to tell him. But, uh, on the way home, I called Alex Aguera of GoFoil and I said, what is this thing? And he just kind of laughed, he kind of laughed a little bit and goes, why would you feel? And I just went through point by point by turn by like I went through all the feeling I was getting out of that wing and it I probably it took me 15 20 minutes to you know and then he he goes you know what for the last couple months I've had the Kalamas I've had this guy that guy like all of his test guys on Maui right riding it and they said exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. and I went wow that's I go, I need one. <laughs> How do I get one? <laughs> like, so, so from that point on, I've just been on that thing. And I, you know, I switch back and forth. I have a, a lift foil as well. And I ride that once in a while, but honestly, I think overall like that, that setup with that wing, um, the flat pedestal, um, it just does, it covers all the bases. Yeah. Um, you know, it, the turns are great in surfing the trim is great my pump game is weak but with that setup it actually gives me a chance to you know if i see a wave behind the wave i'm on i can actually pump out to it or even two past it with with that setup yeah so i'm really really happy with that i think you're spot on with that my buddy um, I mentioned him every once in a while because I foil with him so much, but Mike Pedigo, who actually today is the uh, race in Cocoa Beach. I put money on him, and then I found out that Jeffrey Spencer and Austin were going to be there. So I don't know how my bet's going to hold up, but um, ho- uh, hopefully Mike will bring yeah. it in. But uh, but he, he rides the 140 constantly, and I've towed on it. I love it. And, and it does pump very well for how good it surfs. And I, and I would say that for me, it was the quickest I was able – to surf a wing and feel comfortable on it. I mean, within, we were towing a spot where you can get a few minute rides. And within my first ride, by the end, I was cranking out some of the better turns I had done on a foil at that time. Um, wow, which which was really cool. cool. Yeah, because a lot of wings take me days to, to really, like the, the MFC took me a long time. And I love that wing, but it wasn't a first day type of deal. It was like day four, day five. I was like, oh, okay, I'm starting to get this. And then pumping that wing is hard and it took you longer for that. Um, have you ridden much of the, the signature stuff? Have you ridden the 175 or the 200? That 200 is the only wing that um, has floored me right away, like the GoFoil floored me right away. I haven't had the opportunity to ride the signatures yet. I, yeah. I, there's a bunch of guys over here that are ripping hard on them, and they look insane. Yeah. Um, and the, feed, the feedback I've gotten has been really good. Like I haven't heard any negative feedback, um, only really good feedback. So 
yeah, I haven't, I haven't actually tried that one yet. What about any other dihedral wings? That's kind of what I'm freaking on right now is the, how surfy a dihedral wing feels. Have you spent any time on, on like say the MFC or the, um, axis or the starboard dihedral stuff? Uh, so, well, so here's, I'm going to have to admit, uh, I'm not familiar with the term dihedral. So it's, the, I mean, it looks like a gull wing, like where the, the wing tips are, and I wouldn't know that if I hadn't spent a lot of time talking to Kane and, uh, uh some other folks uh-huh. about this, but like the wing tips are a little bit higher than the center. So like that go for wings, pretty flat across, uh, but the, yep. wing, uh, and it's a really cool feel. Like for me, it's the most surfy feel being on a dihedral yes. wing because you have like two vectors of force. Uh, and if you breach, it's a really easy breach because you still have your whole lift vector. And it seems like the ventilation doesn't go past the center point which is really cool. Uh, um, yeah. Um, you know, I haven't rid many. Um, I, let's see, I did ride the MFC one day. So that would be considered a dihedral wing, right? It is, but the tips drop a little bit lower than on some of the other ones, but that's okay. a really, that's a really good setup though. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really like that. I, I felt like it rode really well. It's awesome. Um, all right, let's start. Uh, let's start talking boards a little bit because I really like the the shape of your boards, and I think it's such a fun process designing. I started designing first in the stand up world, and I liked the fact that in the stand up world you have different design requirements than in surfing. And there's the whole volume that you need to paddle, and then there's what you want to surf, and those things are in uh, you know in opposition. And and in foiling, it's it's similar as well in that you have a volume that you're going to have to have to get up, but then that necessarily doesn't need to be what you're what you're riding. And so everyone has these different takes. They're starting to normalize a little bit now, I think. But um, sure, you know, how did you first approach? Can you walk us through, you know, when you first started designing boards because it was very early on. And how your design process and, and ideas about foil boards um, kind of came about, like w- what what you've learned along the way and, and how that unfolded. Okay. Yeah. I was in a really unique position three and a half years ago. I was on the North Shore of Oahu where there's tons of board builders, surfboard builders, and nobody out here wanted to build a foil board because as one of the top shapers said, that's lame. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, you know, so it just wasn't cool yet. The cool kids weren't doing it yet. And it, so just wasn't cool. So I was in this Uh, position on on that note. Sorry to interrupt, but on that note, do you think, cause I was, you know, in working with standup, I mean, everybody hated on stand-up. Do you think that there was some stigma as it's the next new thing and stand-up was so frowned upon by surfing that it just kind of came in with a negative kind of feel to it? Do you think there was anything? Absolutely. Um, I, 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 100%. Yeah. And, you know, like, I'm a surfer. I've been a surfer my whole life. My dad was a surfer. So when I say this, I'm, I'm talking about myself as well. So surfers and surfboard builders are pretty narrow-minded and i i feel like you know like a surfer like when i was a kid i used to ride longboards and shortboards my friend my shortboard friends would be like why are you riding that longboard you know but it was the best tool for that moment for that day so i always felt like like i was i like to just do whatever made me happy um, 
most people like they either shape or surf a shortboard or they shape or surf a longboard and they're very you know stuck to what they do and they don't want to step outside of that box for me i'm not i'm not that cool to begin with so you know for me to get into kiting it was just i saw it it looked super fun and i just went on into it both in the you know being in the water and building the boards and then it turned into a career for me for a lot of years and then which led into toe surfing which you know that's more of a fringe thing but still like it it was stoked me out as more stoke more than business for the toe surfing and then uh came along sup and i jumped into that with a partner on the mainland and we all of a sudden i'm designing and developing and uh, we're, we're creating an SUP, uh, SUP business. And, you know, and then, you know, shortly after that comes, comes our current foil surfboards. And again, being the first, I'd say the first guy on the North shore to be making, uh, surf foil, uh, foil surfboards, I should say. Um, I, I got into it in the water into designing and then everybody that started kind of uh, percolating you know like it, one turned into two turned into three all of a sudden all these guys getting into it there was only one place to come and that was me early on and all of a sudden i went from like paying the bills to now all of a sudden i've got to work again you know like i was <laughs> you know the first year i we were doing probably 10 a week out of my little factory on the north shore and it was a lot of work but i kind of you know i knew that this was coming and you know i was able to establish uh, a, a place here in hawaii uh, and then um you know all of a sudden, John John started doing it. Joel Parkinson, you know, most of the top professional surfers started doing it. And then it was cool. And then it was, okay, now, you know, Pizel started making them. Um, you know, this guy, uh, Glenn Pang, all these guys who I respect tremendously as designers. Now they're out there doing it and they're, they're building boards and it just – it, it made me really happy and it makes me happy to see these guys, you know, on such a high level of what they're, of their craft getting into surf foiling. And it, yeah. and it, and it says a lot to me. You know, it says that, Hey, it is legit and it's fun. There's no denying the fun factor and, you know, and the cool kids are doing it and it's, it's just this little baby that's growing up right in front of our eyes so yeah um, it's, it's it's neat to see but as far as my designs go yeah. my first designs were th very similar to surfboards like i i put tail rocker in my first boards i did a lot of things a down rail you know like a traditional surfboard rail a lot of things that mimicked a surfboard but i go okay more volume i want to paddle better uh, my first board personally was a five, uh, five eleven, and I thought, oh, I ride a five ten normally. That's going to be plenty short. 
Well, after my first session, I realized that was a long board, you know, even at the beginning stages. And then um, and then one of the design features that I put in there was a tail rocker, which instantly I knew I had to take out because my <laughs> the nose of my board was pointing to the sky, you know. Uh, you know, the more tail rocker you put in, you're, you're mounting your, your foil on that tail rocker. So the further back the foil, the mast is kicked, the higher up your nose is going to be pointing into the sky when you're, when you're up in the air. So that was like one of my first learning lessons. It was clear as day. Okay. I need to change this. Um, then I went to a dead flat rocker, completely flat which felt like the nose of my board was trimming down. Yeah. Like I felt like I was going to pearl in the air. And then when I would actually drop down, I would, I'd catch my rails a lot more. So then I started adding just a touch. I started inching my, or not inching, but quarter inching my rockers <laughs> up in the tail just a little bit to get that perfect trim feel. That's so awesome. Um, I did the exact same process there. I landed on like about a three eighths of an inch tail rocker, just a touch right from the, that's <laughs> so cool. Yeah. 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 With, with that little bit of tail rocker, it brings the board up into your front foot better. So like I felt with a flat rocker, my front foot was yep. always trying to reach out and, and connect with the board and, and then pumping too. I felt like I just wasn't quite getting the 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 pump that i wanted but when i started like in or just quarter inching up on the tail rocker a little bit bringing that nose up into my front foot i had better connection better control better pumping no doubt that's awesome i'm looking through as we're talking here i'm looking through your instagram feed and just looking at the evolution of your boards that went back a couple years. And I, I see exactly what you're talking about and how they've come along. When, when did you first have the idea for doing the, the beveled rails that pretty much everyone is doing now? Well, I have to say, I didn't have the idea. I, I don't remember which designer it was that, that had a bevel rail, but I, I saw it and I kind of, you know, at that point I was kind of going, okay, kind of gimmicky. But then when I did it, I went, okay, I get it. There, there is a purpose behind it. And the first thing I noticed was the clearance from the water and the rail. Yeah. So with a down rail that say you got 20 inches of width on your outline on a down rail, that 20 inches is closer to the water than an up rail or a bevel rail, whereas that 20 inches is much higher and at a different angle to the water. Um, uh, the other thing I noticed real quick too, is that my, my down rails, my traditional surfboard rails would catch the water and hold the water and mm -hmm. stick a lot more than that bevel rail. If you know, if the bevel's angled, right, you could actually in a turn put that bevel on the water and it turns into a flat bottom, which allows you to, uh, you, you can actually come up out of a turn, recover out of a, a touchdown a yeah. lot easier on a bevel rail. Yeah. Those, those like surfboard rails will actually 
grab water and then start to turn and then it forces the turn harder right so it's like all of a sudden you go from a one arc to a second arc and then really hard to recover because the foil starts working against the rail at that point um yeah we we did some stuff in design where ride a bunch bunch of different boards and and doing slow motion video on the different touchdowns and that was really cool to watch how the bevel and then we do like a little chine in the bevel and mm-hmm. um the chine seems to help just a little bit too um have, have you played around much with like the double barrel concave that a lot of guys are doing yes i have and, what are your and thoughts? again you know these, these are things you know like like when i saw the the bevel rail and i, I came to a conclusion not a a firm conclusion in my head but kind of thinking okay it's there's no value there but then i tried it and realized hey it works right i have no problem crediting whoever that was that i that originally did it um if i knew who that was (laughs) um but you know same same with these double barrels i've tried it um i've i i sometimes i get custom guys that come to me and say hey i want it my board no problem i'm not going to talk about it i'm not going to try to sway them I'll put that in your board and I'll design them as, as, um, good as I can to, you know, actually work. But I, I don't feel like there's a, a benefit to that style of bottom. So I'm not putting that into my, my general designs. Um, the feedback I I've gotten and that I've felt is that they are stickier, mm-hmm. um, both in, uh, like say rebounding off the white water or rebounding off of the wave, the it just seems like they're, they're, the rail is will go down further in the water as opposed to a flat bottom that would actually keep that board higher on the water and allow you to come around without sticking as much. Um, I've also, I haven't felt this personally, but I've gotten feedback that when people are pumping, and this was kind of one of the explanations I heard originally is when you're pumping and you tap down, it's going to allow you to release off of the water easier. Um, I, I've heard the contrary on it uh, from my customers, but yeah, uh, you know, I'm not totally, I'm not totally discounting it. It's just, you know, I kind of go by, I try to go by it with a more of a scientific approach instead of a personal approach. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I've landed on, well, I, I think that when you can't, like in foiling, you, in designing the actual foils, it's not like we started from scratch. There is, you know, 70 years of air, airplane data on wing foils, right? And I think that when sure. you are looking at uh, the board and how that works, we have the same amount of data on hulls. And so, like, that's kind of where I started on the design for foiling was what I wanted the board to do. And I wanted it to release. I think that the, 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 the biggest thing that your foil board can do, and I think this is, I mean, I've looked at your shapes, your shapes are amazing. Um, they, it should, it should almost be as benign as it could possibly be whenever it's touching the water. I feel like it should always yes. defer to the foil for direction. So anything yes. that's directional on your board, I think is a negative in foiling. And I think that any deep concaves or if it was a significant v that would also add um a direction so i I, i've tended to stay away from them but um a lot of folks love them so 
so one thing I've noticed when designing the double barrel uh, concaves is that, or actually, let me say, one of the limitations we have is a plate. Uh, I mean, most of us, I'd say 99% of us are riding a plate mount foil. Mm -hmm. So that means we have to have a flat spot in the tail. Yeah. So, so, uh, with that entry of two concaves coming through the board, we have to end that, those, those channels, if you want to call them that at some point before, or try to go around that flat point where the plate mounts. Um, so that can add some challenges too. Um, you know, maybe some abrupt endings to a channel, which might not paddle as well, or they may drag more when you actually tap down. Um, so I, I just feel like it's, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with some flat bottoms right now and occasionally we'll, I'll, you know, we'll play with, with some concaves, but, uh, you do any V I've done a few V boards and I've got some ideas in my head that are kind of crazy, but, um, I might start, you know, doing a little bit more of that. Um, the, um, the, my, the board that I've been riding the most and, um, that most guys, I, I don't, I'd like, I design boards, but it's not, it's not what I do. I just do it for fun. I love it. Like, I think it's, it's a sure. great thing to, to do, but, um, it's not necessarily a business for me. I design for some friends and I probably sell a few boards a month or something like that. It's not, I'm not trying mm-hmm. to take over the world in any way, shape or form. I just like it. Um, but the model that don't I have, worry, that, I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take threat to this. <laughs> no, it's, you shouldn't at all. You shouldn't at all. I'm about, I'm about to probably have to stop completely. I'm about to get pretty busy with some stuff, but, um, but I do love it. And so I'll always shape just for, for myself for sure. And yeah. um, along with riding as many other boards, same thing with foils. I try to ride everybody's boards. I love it. It just gives you inspiration for what you design sure. or for how you ride. And I love the way, and I say this on the show all the time, and I, and I feel like this is something that guys or girls can tell their husbands or wives, and that is that gear teaches you stuff. There's some stuff Absolutely. that I just learned from the riding the stealth foil that I would not have learned had I not you know, gone out on a limb and, and bought that foil. Um, and I feel the same way about boards, but I have a little bit of V in the nose and I feel like when you do touch down, it almost has that, if you think about like how a bolt hull bounces, it, it has like a, a, and Kalama said the same thing on when he, when we were talking boards and I like that, uh, I like that V. Um, yeah. So, so with what you just said, I, I totally agree and I understand what you're saying. If you think about a double or, or say you're talking a triple V mm-hmm. in the a lot of these double barrel concaves you're seeing, if you think about that, when that thing pushes down, say the center uh, V, if you want to call it, there's three V's, right? There's right. the rail, the center, and the rail. You set down that center V is going to push water out and into where? Into that other hull or that other V and it's gonna it's gonna actually contribute to that sticking you know I think that's, uh, I gotcha. that's the problem that makes sense that. but but with a single V 
that water's pushing out into the air, which, you know, might give you a soft landing and then, you know, allow you to come right back up into the air quick. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the plate mount? You mount, you mentioned the plate mount before, and you know, if we look at it, it was the easiest way to connect without using a tuttle box. So you'd have a little bit of movement, but, it, but it, we just used existing surf, um, hardware but it doesn't seem like it's the optimal solution. Do you think that at some point we will see a redesign of foil to board connectivity? That's something much more elegant than the, uh, you know, two longboard box solution that we have now. You know, I, I, I would say yes. I mean, I'm sure we, we could see something like that. Um, the problem being is like some of the things that would come to my mind right away would be very expensive to build Mm -hmm. and to, make and and then to get to every board designer there you know all the distribution and um you know the it's 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 expensive enough as is to get into the sport you know um we my concern would be just you know not making this thing so expensive that you know pushes a lot of people away from the sport but um i think uh, there's some great designers out there that could come up with some really good solutions to, to what we have now. Um, but what we have now actually works really well. Uh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, it, it, you know, paddles well, the adjustability obviously is really good. And, uh, I, I think it's a much better system than the Tuttle. I, I mean, I, like I said, I think 99% of the people are on a plate mount. I've got some Tuttle boxes I bought three and a half years ago. I think I bought 20. I've got 10 left. (laughs) So that tells you how many Tuttles that I do. Um, So I think that adjustability is key uh, to a plate mount, being able to adjust back and forth. And, you know, I mean, it takes a half inch adjustment. You're going to get a whole different feeling board. Absolutely. Whereas a Tuttle, a Tuttle, you're stuck in one spot. So I, I, I think that's absolutely necessary. The other thing with the Tuttle was um, that it's such a, you need such a thick board in that area for prone. It, it, it just wasn't practical. And with the SUP, obviously they're thicker, higher volume. Uh, a Tuttle box works great. I mean, it, it, it's thick enough to, to go into, you know, it can go into a, a SUP, whereas a prone, it, you're you're limited on on your design. Like for me, I designing, I like to try to whittle down as much as I can out of the volume. Um, and with the Tuttle box, it just wasn't wasn't feasible. So, so you mentioned there that the boards are, you know, the the whole foiling is an expensive sport, and it, and it's going to limit growth somewhat until there's more cost effective solutions, but. It is very expensive when boards break. And I have had a lot of boards um, break. I've broke boxes out of tons of boards. And then I started going to double stringers. And I haven't broken a double stringer. And I don't have anyone that I've sold one to break a double stringer yet. But then you add, you know, about a pound at least. And there's some drawbacks to that. And depending on, I think in high aspect wings, I really like a little extra weight. Um, but when I'm surf foiling, I like lower swing weight. So, you know, there's a trade-off there. What are you doing to 
strengthen that connection? Um, well, uh, so I, I have tried stringers, I think actually initially I I'm pretty similar to what I started doing right off the bat, uh, construction wise, I'm in, you know, the same elements, but, uh, I have changed the construction under the foil. So in the plate area and don't give away anything that's proprietary secret here. There's no, you don't have to. Yeah, do that. I mean, there's really no secrets. In the beginning, I think I had, you know, my construction. I was doing a PVC high density plate, and then putting uh, future fin boxes because of their their design. They're built really well for what we're doing. Um, I I that was my first construction, and I kept that secret because a lot of people, you know, especially surfboard builders, had no idea you know, what was going on. And they were just dropping boxes, you know, typical boxes, fin boxes into EPS foam and having a problem. So I kind of, you know, if somebody would ask me, I'd kind of, you know, let them know sort of what I was doing. But um, at this point, I think everybody knows uh, a PVC block with a future fin box is the way to go. Um, The thickness of that plate you know, you can go all the way through to the deck, which in most cases isn't going to, you know, it's going to add more weight and it's not going to be any stronger than something thinner. Um, I won't give away exactly the thickness that I'm using, but, um, you know, you don't want to go eighth of an inch or a quarter inch or even a half inch. You want to beef it up a little bit more than that. Yeah. Um, so I think in a stringerless blank you you know like what i'm doing right now is all stringer stringerless eps i have very few failures that's awesome um, yeah and but it took me a while like i would say the the initial boards that i was doing had a much thinner pvc plate and um with the prones they held up really well i had zero failures for a couple years except for my sup borders early on gotcha and those generally are bigger boards bigger guys bigger wings yep. and i learned real quick i brought those boards back i opened them up and i looked and i went okay this is why this happened so with those boards i made a much thicker plate and problem solved are you, um, so i don't want to ask too many questions about that because i feel like that is still somewhat proprietary but you know like a lot of the foam companies say like if you're ordering a marco blank they're going to drop in you know the high density insert but it's only usually about an inch and a half thick and that to me seems like it buys you time but they still end up breaking because you have the weak point between the divinacell and the eps and over time and i think that i'm a good tester for this because i'm 200 pounds and i pump a lot and Mm -hmm. i ride bigger wings a lot too and there's a lot of force involved with that, especially with the lever, because I'll use a, you know, I like to ride, you know, four nine five zero shortboards a lot too. So you're you're up on those and you're getting to push down pretty hard. Um, and it seems like it creates a weak point in the front of those boxes, and then sooner or later it gets a little wiggly and then it pops. And that's what and and the plate and the plate pops out or the board buckles. Um, it gets you break the it'll delam between the. Because you'll create space between the EPS and the Divinacell, 
because mm-hmm. the divinisol will will stay affixed to the to the to the plate. You'll create like a DLAM, and basically the majority of these boards, uh, and it's a bunch of different manufacturers, uh, you know, um, will start just sucking in water there, and then you have to do a full repair. And and the repairs we're yeah. doing on on boards is we'll just cut a cut the whole thing out, and then um, do a two part uh, poly foam, high density like mm-hmm. six pound poly, and then drop the boxes back into that, and then re glass, and then and then the boards will be fixed. But uh, that's happened on a lot of boards that I've tested to where over time that break between the Divinacell and the EPS, um, it, it weakens. It's a weak point. And then yeah. well, the plate sounds I like would, a better idea. I would love to have you test one of my boards. And I'd love to ride. I'll, I'll, I would love to get – we'll talk about that after the show. But I was already uh, – yeah. you know, after yeah, the Jack then, from Town podcast, I've wanted one. Because I love guys like you that are, that are actually that hard on boards where you're consistently – breaking boards and especially if you're breaking boards in a certain area i'd love to see if what i'm doing now is going to hold up to you and and from the feedback i've got i've got several of those guys and the feedback i'm getting from those guys now they're not having any problems and it really comes down to all the materials that you're using and how you're using them you know, because we could all, we're all using EPS epoxy and, and PVC insert with future boxes. It depends on what the densities are of those foams, Mm -hmm. the type of glass, how you're glassing them. Like there's so many different variables that, and, and that's where I think I'm on to a perfect formula because I'm just not having problems, even with my production boards, which I build overseas. Those I, you know, they're built exactly like I build them here. And the the workers are incredibly skilled and I spend time with them and show them how I like it done. And I'm having no failures with my, with my current production boards. And you've got a ton of guys on your boards too. I've got a lot of boards out there. So yeah. if, if there's a consistent problem, I know it and I address it and I make sure that, you know, I, I try to figure out why it happened and make it better. You know, um, there are those guys that, that run over their foil on the way out of the parking lot. And, <laughs> and that's just something that I'm not really building them for. But the guys like you that are 200 pounds, they're pushing their foil all the way back to the back of the boxes and they're pumping all over the place. Those are the ones that, you know, those are the situations I really notice. And I take that feedback and I make sure that it, you know, you're not going to, the board's not going to fail on you. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm looking through your Instagram feed again and looking at all the guys riding and, you know, the strapped thing, um, you've got a lot of riders using straps. Do you, do you foil with straps too? I don't. And yeah. even when I'm out toe surfing, um, up to a certain size, I, I, I don't like wearing straps. I just, I love the freedom of being able to, you know, micro adjust my, my feet, you know, usually it's my back foot, um, you know, up or back, depending on what I'm doing, if I'm turning or I'm pumping or, you know, I just like that freedom. Um, but man, some of the things these guys are doing with straps, you know, little Malaya bonsai grom and oh it's insane what he's doing and jack you know like i mean these guys are just 
I don't know. Like, it'll really be cool to see what the future brings with and, straps. Absolutely. And what I was going to say there is that having the guys in straps, they're putting a lot more force for their weight on all of the board, the board foil connection, all of that with straps on. I think you have a lot more lever and plus all the airs that they're doing. So if you're not, I would think that you would have more issues with uh, hardware with straps than you would with someone without straps. So if, if that's holding up then yeah well these guys um i'd say generally the strap guys are on the lighter side you know like like you know i was mentioning jack and foil wizard and Mm -hmm. bonsai Uh, you know they're all light guys you know and they all are really good riders they're very precise in their turns and um so i think the finesse um and and the weight and you know um, how they're landing these things. I mean, they're all like pretty graceful. So, you know, I'd say they're not the best guys to test the construction. Um, you know, those guys I just mentioned, they don't go through, but that many boards foil wizard. He, I mean, he's riding a board I've made for him about a year ago, which blows me away. And I look at the board every time I see somebody with one of my boards, I'll go up and look at it. I look at his board. It looks brand new. I'm <laughs> That's going, awesome. How does that work? Like, what? Yeah, so, we, uh, I'm, he's coming on the show at some point. I'm looking forward to, to having that conversation. I think he's so good. He um, is so good. And he is an artist. He is, I, I am, I mean, let me say this across the board. I'm so fortunate to be working with the people that I'm working with. And, you know, when I say working, that sounds pretty formal. You know, we're friends, we're out foiling together, we're having fun, and we're building boards. And I'm so I wanted to just thank everybody for, you know, everything that they've contributed and the Stoke and yeah, you know, just just having a good time. But you know, Foil Wizard in particular, you know, he's I, from the day I met him, I'm like, man, I like this guy. He's just <laughs> different, you know, and I like different people, you know, different viewpoints. And um, you know, the Firebolt was directly you know attributed to him he came up to my my uh, office one day he goes hey i want to design a board i got some ideas so we sat down and and we started designing and i design on cad which most people do Mm -hmm. these days and uh we started designing we took one of my current nubby shapes we goes okay i want a pin tail so i pulled the pin in and then every time you make an adjustment on a design program like that, there's always something that, you know, like a rail or a rock or something that looks funky. So you have to re adjust those other elements. Like say we pulled that pintail in all of a sudden the, the bevel rail is kind of funky. He goes, Oh, but can you fix that uh, bevel rail? And I'm like, Whoa, we saw that. You know? <laughs> and I, so the first time he, he, he picked up on something, we made another change. I see some funk. He goes, Hey, can you get rid of that funk? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it happened five times in a row where I'm like, I just turned around and I looked at him and I go, man, you have an incredible eye. And it was, it, it was so cool. And it was just the easiest design session and the most productive design session I think I've ever had. You know, I, we came out of that with this beautiful pintail, Firebolt that is very similar to what I'm doing now, and uh, it created a new category for me. 
You know, That's so. awesome. Um, do you design in Shape 3D or Aku? Yes, Shape I, I design in Shape 3D. Yeah, yeah I like Shape 3D too. Yeah, um, so I, um, yeah, on that note, uh, I think it was about 10 years ago, I built my own CNC machine in-house and bought the Shape 3D software. And uh, previous to that, I was having all my, you know, I was designing on CAD, but I would bring my design or my blanks and my designs to an outside cutting house, which was a big stick in the mud when it would come to, you know, getting stuff done. And, you know, I come in from a session now, I, now that I have an in-house CNC machine, I go out for a session, I ride and I go, wow, I'm inspired by something. I come in, I design and I cut, I shape, I can glass, I can, move that thing all the way through and ride something in a couple days. That's awesome. And whereas before there was like that, that brick wall where, you know, it would just stop me, you know, for two weeks, like until my board got cut and then I, I'd get my board and be like, eh, God, I'm just not really into it or I'm too busy now. You know, it's like, so having an in-house CNC machine has really helped the designs progress, you know, going back to the original foil boards that I was making. You know, I went out with too much rocker when I got to change that. I came home, shaped myself a new board within a week or within a couple days, actually, I'll be honest. I was out riding a new board with the new design changes I made. And That's so awesome. I can't tell you how much the progression is. I mean, it's more like painting a, a picture and having all the paints right there instead of having to go back down to the art store and buy the color that you need, you know, it's like this, yeah. I just can come in, design, sh cut, shape, get the thing done and go back out and ride. You know? I love that, man. And, and you know what? It's also in your painting metaphor there. It is so much more powerful to be able to feel that and come in and design it rather than to have to go to someone else and say, this is what I'm feeling. Can you maybe change this. And then there's that loss of, um, knowledge or whatever it is in the process at times. I think that, you know, a lot of the best stuff is designed by people who feel who, who yes. are, you know, being able to touch and feel you don't have to be a, a pro to do, but you have to be sensitive to the sensation. Sure. You know, I think. Yeah. So cool, man. Um, do you enjoy, the design and evolution process or the, and, and you know, the, the design, the iterative process of design and surfing and that, or do you just enjoy the, maybe just the surfing more because they're two different <laughs> things, right? You know, I'm, I'm a freak for both. I love being in the water, but you know, maybe one of the drawbacks is, is watching people ride when I'm out in the water, enjoying the water and getting inspired by something that's going on there. And then I'm like, okay, I want to get out of the water now and go back to my shop and, and design something, you know, like it happens <laughs> like that sometimes, but I, I actually enjoy, I don't want to say both equally, um, because work is work, right. you know, but 
but when I get that creative high, it's like any artist, you know, when they get that creative flow going, it's, it's, it can be just as exciting as being in the water in a different way. Let me ask that question a little bit differently. If there's a day and it looks really good, are you more excited about taking out the board that you just finished designing that you've never ridden that is questionable or are you more excited about taking out your magic board because you know you're going to have a good session? Wait, can you repeat that again? We just dropped oh, out for yeah. a second there. So are, are you more excited about taking out a board that you've just finished designing that you've never ridden that still has some questionable, you know, you haven't ridden it yet. It's, there's some, still some question there or about taking out your magic board on a day that looks like it's going to be pretty good. Uh, <laughs> well, I think we all know the answer to that. Like that's, you want to gravitate towards what you know. And it's, it is a really hard thing for us to go, you know what, it's, it's good out there and I'm going to have a great time on what I know, but I'm taking this new thing out at the risk of, you know, it not working at all, you know, <laughs> but it's never, it's never the case. And I'll tell you, like most of the time when I take something new out, I'm so stoked that I did. Um, but it's just breaking that, um, that habit of thinking on the negative side, you know, and going, I mean, I think that's what we do in life period. You know, we always try to protect ourselves by going, Oh, you know what? I'm going to play it safe and stick with what I know, you know, um, with the board design, it's, it's no different, you know, like I, gravitate towards my old board, but I make myself ride the new board. I love it. Um, I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit with the news that's happened over the last, you know, month, couple months, if you've been following it closely and, and, and the coronavirus that's coming and the shutdowns that we're seeing, the travel that's going to start happening. Have you thought about that at all and how that's going to impact, uh, surfing in Hawaii and on the North shore on surfboard industry, um, production in China, like are there ramifications that you're going to see because of, uh, that good or, or bad, obviously there's going to be a human toll and an economic toll, which, um, but from the surfing perspective, from the surfing perspective, I, from experience being, uh, in the industry for all these years, um, we've gone through recession. We've gone through a lot of things. Um, and I, I, I tend to think with the coronavirus, I think surfing and, you know, foiling and, you know, water sports, I think it'll remain the same. I mean, people want to go like surfers and water people, they want to be in the water. And, you know, I would say you're probably, probably less uh, likely to get any virus when you're out in the ocean. Yep. I agree. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so, but on an economic level, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll see some things happen, but you know what? It's going to pass. Yeah. And you know, we got at, at this point, I really believe we have to just take, um, take precautions, you know, wash your hands, do things that, that are safe. Don't pretend like it's not happening, which I see some people doing. Ah, oh, it's this or it's that, blah, 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 whatever. You know what? It is happening, you know, and, and it's, it's not a 
deadly virus for a majority of people, but it's a deadly virus for some people. So with that in mind, I don't want to be the one who uh, gave the virus to the 70 year old neighbor of mine that has heart problems or yeah. whatever. And he has problems or dies from it, you know, so I'm going to take precautions and, you know, be clean and, you know, do whatever is recommended by the professionals, by the scientists to, you yeah. know, to try to curb this thing, you know, but it, it'll, it'll go, you know, it's coming and it's going to go eventually. And, um, you know, economically, I'm sure we're going to feel it for a long time to come, but you know what, uh, let's do what's important in life, you know, stay Absolutely. healthy and stay in the water. Well, and when you think about sports that will be impacted, I mean, ball sports will be hurt hugely yeah. uh, in indoor sports will be hurt hugely. Um, I would think things like surfing or mountain biking or outside solo sports, there's going to be a lot of people running to those. So maybe the economic impact won't be as bad in those areas, which would be good. Are people taking yeah. it seriously in Hawaii? Has there been a change in feeling over the last week? There is. And, you yeah. know, it, here in Hawaii, it's 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 very customary. and it's, it's part of our culture that you hug and you just get close. And, you know, there's a closeness about the people here that, you know, a lot of honestly, a lot of people around the country just go, what? Like going for a hug and, you know, somebody from wherever might just kind of withdraw. Oh, but that's just natural here. So that is a really hard thing for us to grasp right now. And um, but I you know, my approach has been, you know, right when I see somebody, hey, what are we doing here? Are we, you know, doing a social distancing thing or what? Like, you know, try to make fun of it at first and just, you know, and then go, go from there. But, um, yeah, people are definitely taking it seriously. Um, but again, you know, I think it's a temporary thing and you know, pretty soon we'll be back to our normal, normal lives. Yeah. Anyone out there listening, order your board from John right now, just in case there's issues with, <laughs> um, no, I'm being serious. Just in case there's issues with, um, with shipping or anything like that over the next couple of months, you want to make sure you have your board now. Um, I'm going to be ordering a board now <laughs> and, awesome. and a foil and you know, all this, but no, I'm being serious. Like I think that, uh, yeah. that's a good, you can never have too many surfboards, yeah. um, foil boards. Yeah. How do, how do people well, I, go ahead? Oh, I was going to say, and I, I do have boards in stock and I, you know, I can still get raw materials for customs and, you know, we're, uh, I think it's, you know, even with the restrictions, I think the business is going to be fine. And, you know, I always try to not make the business too serious. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you have to pay the bills, you have to make money, but, you know, I just, I, I believe that, you know, I'm building toys for people, you know, and I, it, they're, it's putting a smile on their face, which puts a smile on my face. That's what I strive for. So I don't care to take over the world. I just want to be uh, partially responsible for a smile. You know, <laughs> I think that's one of the coolest things about building surfboards. I assume it's probably the same if you build guitars, but sure. people have a real deep connection 
with a surfboard and more specifically with the experience. I ha- I'm loath to sell, to sell boards. My wife's always asking me why I want to sell, if I, why I don't sell boards. And it's like, I look at my Takayama Howard special, or I look at my Rawson, uh, sup that he made for me a few years back. And I look at those boards and I can remember sessions on them and like, yeah. beautiful moments. And I don't want to sell those moments. Right. Um, yep. So I think that that's a, such a beautiful thing to be able to create. And, and, and when you create those things, you get to be in some way a part of those moments, which I think is really cool. Have some sort of connection to that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely fun. Um, right on. Well, how do people find you? How can they support you? Um, what's your, your models that you've got out right now? So that, uh, uh well, they, uh, you can find me at, uh, amundsenfoil.com that's going to bring you right to the good stuff right there um, or you can go to amundsencustoms.com which I have my foil boards, my SUP, my toe-in, my surfboards so that's like a more diverse website but uh, amundsenfoil.com is you're going to find all the foil related stuff and um, constantly adding stuff to the site um, actually you have a new cool video uh, coming out that my friend Peter King over here just edited for me. And I just got the final version today. It's really cool. It goes through a custom order from, you know, ordering and designing into cutting on the machine and shaping and glassing, uh, vacuum bagging. So, uh, that video will be out in, uh, probably up on the website in a couple days. So, oh, epic! And then um, on Instagram, you are Almonds and Customs. Yes, Customs on Instagram. Uh, so everybody, give John a follow if you don't do that already. He's got some of the absolute best riders in the sport on his gear. You know, Bonsai Grom, Jack from Town, Foil Wizard. I mean, those are three of the top guys in foiling, riding his stuff right now. So it's probably good enough for you or for me. Um, and John, thank you very much for being really generous with your time. This was, um, very cool to catch up and to learn from you. Well, thank you very much. I always appreciate, uh, the opportunity to froth out on, on foiling. (laughs) I know that there's going to be some people that are a little upset with this one because it was pretty technical, but I just, I, I, I'm so excited about learning, um, about board building and all that kind of stuff. And, Sometimes I get asked for more stories. So maybe maybe in a few months you come back on and we'll just do a, a story uh, show. Absolutely. Yeah. Any time. Feel free to give me a shout. That would be awesome. All right. Well, you have a great day and thank you so much. All right. All right. You have a great day as well. We'll talk soon. All right. All right.